Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hegelbahn on Twitter, and I'm here with, uh, I, I would say, uh, Internet Darling. I think, is that wow. that's something you've been called before? I'm no. Sure. No? No. no. The Internet Darling? Of, I'm more of like a goblin type, so I, I don't, <laughs> the I don't think I'm... The Goblin. Yeah, thank you. I, I did actually, I will actually say, so uh, I will tell people who it is. It's Eliza. It's, um, it's at Eliza with the three uh, from Twitter. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I will say, I thought for some reason, and I think it's because you have been on Bunta Vista. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I saw that you were on Bunta Vista. I did not listen to that episode, but I saw that you were on it. And um, I've listened to other episodes, but uh, that one I missed. But for some reason, I thought you were Australian. I get that a lot. And I mean, all the signs are there, right? Like, I, I'm rude. <laughs> yes. Um, I yell at people. I tell them to shut the fuck up when they need to shut the fuck up. And all of my friends are Australian because I only post at like three o'clock in the morning. So it's uh, it's completely reasonable. Um, and I'm <laughs> I'm flattered actually because some of my favorite people are are Australian. Oh yeah, I mean it. It really like I, I feel like it could be seen as a uh, as an insult depending on who you are. But I I I think it's a it's a fine compliment. Um, the certainly the Australians on Twitter. I haven't met a ton of Australians in real life, but the Australians I know from Twitter are um, fine people. I like them a lot. Yes, there's so, there's like a gang. There, I mean, they kind yeah. of formed Bunta Vista, and then there's like a bunch of other people who are sort of friends with with the with the Bunta crew. And yeah, I've never met any of them in real life. Um, I've, I'm really I mean, why into, would you? I know this, they're so far away. I'm really into Tom Walker's Twitch stream right now. Have you watched that at all? I haven't. No. Okay. Well, Tom Walker is like an actual professional comedian, um, and he's Australian. And he has been doing this thing on Twitch where he just plays American Truck Simulator. But <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's pretty much what everyone should be doing on Twitch. Right. Like that's all you need. But on top of that, he also has made it so that you can pay five dollars. You can tip him five dollars in order to turn the wheel left or right. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great idea. I haven't kept track of how much actual money he makes every night, but I mean, the fact that you can just smash him into oncoming traffic anytime you want for a mere five dollars American is like catnip. And that is such a good bit. He's gotten a ton of followers really quick, and he has all these great interstitial bits, and he, like, improvises songs. Um, and it's just, I, I mean, he's torturing himself, which, are, that's those some of the best Twitch streams are, are that way. Like, just making yourself abject to the demands of the audience. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the tr it's just, it's so fucking funny. I've posted about it a little bit, but I've never seen a Twitch stream like it. Um, I, you know, Twitch is one of those things that, and I, I recognize this is me being old. Um, uh, it's not like I, I have no commentary on Twitch. That's like, you know, these zoomers don't know what entertainment is. Like I, I fully admit this is a me problem, but I, it took me a really long time and I'm still not quite there in, to understand, uh, what is good about Twitch and mm -hmm. I'm closer, I'm way closer than I used to be, but, um, it's a hard one for me. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough sell for me. But when you, when you explain something like that. That sounds really good. Like, I, I immediately get why that would be funny. Yeah, and, you know, that's not a typical Twitch stream at all. Like, I... No, no. The, the, the typical Let's Players and the typical... The, the Twitch mainstream are horrible. They are just <laughs> loud and 
I mean, I'm probably going to get yelled at, but I don't care. Um, yeah, so I think it's really hard to get into Twitch because you go to the front page and there's all these just screaming men in their bedrooms and they're all playing like, you know, Destiny or whatever the latest iteration of Call of Duty is and it's just awful. But, you know, and you really have to dig to get to the good Twitch streams, which are stuff like, um, there's one I follow, I think her, her at is Frecked Chemist, as in mm-hmm. freckles, but to, to be frecked, to have freckles. Oh, okay. And All she, right. the only thing she does is hook up her high-powered microscope to her webcam, and she <laughs> brings in pond water and algae and stuff, and she just, live on stream, will hunt through pond water looking for amoeba. This and, is incredible. Yeah. What a and, great idea. So there's some good content, right? Like, it's not video gaming. It's this woman showing you her incredible microscope and explaining, uh, you know, what is a flagella? What are all of these different, uh, you know, amoebas? And um, She's basically doing the fun part of um, environmental science class and without, like, I have to get the pond water. I have to put it on a slide. I have mm-hmm. to, like, you know, have a bunch of failed slides. Like, she's doing, mm-hmm. all, she's taking all the work out of it. It's it's really wonderful. Um, I mean, there's a few there's a few DJs who have gone on Twitch, and I think that the, the Twitch Renaissance is happening now because, of course, everybody's inside. So yes, course, even yes. though Twitch has been incredibly popular for years, um, it's really all of these people have been kind of forced onto Twitch due to the quarantine. And I think Twitch is really uh, flourishing, at least from my perspective. I don't know what the actual stats are. But it, it certainly seems like a lot more variety is on Twitch now. Um, I think they're making a lot of money. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong in suggesting that there's a lot going on on Twitch. Yeah. Um, and not in, and you know, as you say, like it's not just stuff that would make money. It's like it's weird stuff too. It's sort of like different stuff. So right. yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's cool. And everyone's getting better at monetizing themselves too. And and the nice thing, I mean, as a as a digital artist who's been working primarily online for, I think, my entire life. Um, I mean, I started on LiveJournal, right? Like, way back. I still have people following me on Twitter who came from LiveJournal. So I I can definitely tell you... I didn't realize those two things intersected in time. I mean, I'm aware of both of them, but I I had no idea that you could be... You could be someone who knew someone from LiveJournal and followed them onto Twitter. Oh, yeah. You know, the... um, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of an expert in this now because I've been doing it so long. Uh, but the key is knowing when the next social network is going to pop up. Mm-hmm. So you, you have you have to pinpoint the moment when it is the right time to move from LiveJournal to Tumblr uh, or from MySpace to LiveJournal or, or whatever, whatever moves you sure. made. And then from Tumblr to Twitter is what a lot of people did recently, which is unfortunately why Twitter sucks so badly uh, so suddenly within the past few yeah, years is people keep pointing that out and I'm like, Oh, right. Sure. Of course. Like yeah. <laughs> all the people that we all kind of laughed at are here now. Yeah. And you know, interestingly, I go back, I still have my an active Tumblr account as a lot of people do. And mm-hmm. I went back and started, you know, looking around a little bit and most of the really established posters are still there and things are much more chill than they used to be. Um, and I think there is very this, interesting. Yeah, there's this awareness that, you know, the uh, all the usual suspects left town, pulled up stakes, right, moved on. And they're all on Twitter now. And so 
the Interesting. the real heads are still on on Tumblr and they're being um, much quieter. So I'm I'm seeing a lot less like fandom freakouts and Ken drama and stuff like that on Tumblr, okay. but I am seeing it on Twitter now. So anyway, I mean, I mean that, like, there's something good about that too. Like I I, I just saw a post today that was. Um, just a screenshot of someone uh, saying that a friend of theirs was missing. Uh, obviously horrible. Jesus. But then someone responded with a, with a thing saying, like, oh, I don't know where they are, uh, but there's this big lump in my belly. Uh, oh, like my not God. Know- yeah, just, but, like, I mean, when was I able to see that before? Until Tumblr went to Twitter, you know? Like, that's that's just pure sort of, like, I, I only know that as something from Tumblr. So you know, there's yep. something there's something to it. Like I get to I get to see something new. The content that's is true. It does it does broaden your horizons. So uh, here's here's advice for me on on how to maintain a long term faithful internet audience. Always make sure everyone you take tell notes. Them, yeah, tell them where you're going. If you're like, hey, I, <laughs> I you know I I really need to. Um, you know, I'm moving to Twitter or whatever. Here are the links for everything. And the other the number two trip is shut everything down. The smartest thing I ever did was completely privatizing my live journal before leaving it. Because mm. I had started that thing when I was, like, 14. Uh, sure. And I, I knew leaving it, it's like I could lose my password, I could uh, get in trouble with somebody, and they might brigade me and pull up a bunch of my posts. I mean, I, I don't think I had anything particularly bad on there, but, you know, even at that age, I was aware that shifting cultural norms are going to, you know probably make some of the stuff that I had posted about look weird because I oh god I I I would not want to see my live journal from when I was a kid like that that would be just a nightmare I I'm sure there's something on there that would make me cringe but probably something mm -hmm. on there that would you know get me brigaded too yeah so I would get you know and people would follow me which was Mm -hmm. great or or they would already be there and they'd be like oh hey I'm glad you came to the new new platform whatever it is um you don't want to do that too much but every once in a while it it does become necessary because yeah uh, no that makes sense I I feel like there are a lot of um there are a lot of uh false uh, there are a lot of false alarms these days right like I feel mm -hmm. like Mastodon was kind of a big false alarm um turned out we all didn't need to move to Mastodon although from what I hear there's some really lovely people there so yeah. you know, not not to not to make fun or or suggest otherwise that like Mastodon is a bad place. No, but I remember like the feeling that oh everyone's got to go there. Twitter's done for. Um, right. And then it turned out it wasn't. Um, obviously, this happens on the right way more often than the left. Um, yeah. When the right says like we're we're being deplatformed, head on over to like my new site Toast or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello, Peach. Oh, hello. Those. Yeah. I I I joined Hello and I was so disappointed that Ello, um, cause the only funny thing about Ello, um, it's like some real Ello hours right now. Um, <laughs> the, the only funny thing about Ello I thought was that, um, you could, uh, you could basically camp, uh, corporate names. So like, you oh. know, like McDonald's was just like some weird Twitter user, right? Like I, I found that to be very good. Um, that is good. That was funny to me, but yeah, and, and once they once they kind of shut that down, once McDonald's could take back their uh, intellectual property, I, I and Ello died to me. Um, yeah, but and yeah, and I mean Peach at that point was just not going to work. So yeah, no, no, you're right. Like it is, you really do have to know when to go, um, and I think it is important not to not to jump too quick. Right. I mean, you want to get in there and get your username right. 
But oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of like actually committing to the network, it's um, I don't know. I don't know how there's a tipping point. It's hard to know when it happens, but sometimes you get clues. But yeah, I don't know if, if anything's I think TikTok was the last one I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to this is catching on. This is the new one. Um, For sure. But, you know, TikTok, I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, once you, I mean, basically, TikTok was introduced in the in the moments everyone was like, I can't believe they shut down Vine. Like, I'm right. I am bereft. Right. Um, so, I mean, if you introduce new Vine right after they shut down Vine, I think you got to say, like, OK, yeah, this is this is going to go really well for me. Like, I'm definitely, you know, if I join this site, this site's going to be around for more than five minutes because um, everyone misses TikTok. Or everyone misses Vine. And now this is Vine, too. Yeah. Um, that seemed like it, like a pretty easy one to, to pick out, but I mean, you know, good on you for also observing it when there's plenty of ways it could have gone wrong. You know, even like up until a few months ago, I was still seeing people in my age group, you know, the, the older millennials going, I don't understand TikTok. What is it? Is it just fine? I don't get it. And I compl- I totally relate to the sentiment because you get sick. You're like, how many new fucking social networks do I have to learn? You know, I'm 30 or 40 years old. I don't need this. Uh, but the truth is, it's, it's never going to stop. Like, you, you have to learn them all. Yeah, swim or die. Uh, so I, I think that some of that was kind of performative because it's very, very clear what TikTok is. It's a video yeah. platform. And there's there's nothing complicated it, yeah. about it. It's just, yeah. Some people make weird videos on it and just like every video platform of all time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. Like it's, I, it's I not hard to okay. understand. Yeah. No, not really. I was, I was, um, I got irritated at this because um, I, I, I post a lot in sports Twitter um, because I have no real self regard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I, um, I ended up like getting really annoyed at this uh, at this gimmick account basically that uh, pretends to be. The, the joke is they're. The, the gimmick's supposed to be they're a... Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. They're like kind of like a, a a blowhard high school coach, right? Like who, you know, they're, mm. they're not very good at what they do, but they're sort of like, they're very, very confident in themselves. But themselves but like just like every dumb sports gimmick account, they start responding to like politicians and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like they responded to Ilhan Omar and it was just a really ridiculous post. I was like, oh man, this is like... This is really embarrassing. Um, and mm-hmm. so I just tweeted at the moment, like, you're just such a useless account. And, of course, they, they retweeted me, and uh, and a bunch of people got mad at me. But one of their fans just DM'd me, and he's like, man, you got, like, you got completely uh, suckered into this. Like, this guy is not serious. And I was like, no, 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 I know, I know he's not serious. <laughs> I just, like, I don't like, I don't like his posts. And he was like, oh. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm not on Twitter very much. Like, I just, I just go on, like, you know once a week or whatever and the reason is because i just don't think it's uh it's very healthy but i'm just 16 so what do i know and i was like oh shit yeah <laughs> i was like honestly though you you you're correct like yep. <laughs> this is a bad place like i shouldn't be here either like it's no it's not doing anything for me um so you know what like uh, hey way to go 16 17 year old like you you nailed it um <laughs> this is like you you're doing the right thing um but yeah, I was I was a little I was a little chagrined by that because it was like you know what this uh, this teenager is uh, way smarter than me, um, mm-hmm. 
And I think once you realize the teenagers can absolutely be way smarter than you, you can uh, begin to grow up. Oh, and yeah. Just become old and, and you know, just it, it, relish in that as well. Yes. They, um, yeah, they're, they're very impressive. I, I feel very protective of them. Of teens? Yeah. The, the, I mean, they're coming of age in just this awful, awful era. It's not great. uh, Yeah. No, I, I worry for them quite a bit and, you know, just kind of want to do my best to make it easier for them as, as, as little as I can do, but still, I do worry about their, um, I don't really know what to call it. It's not critical thinking exactly, but it's like uh, bullshit literacy, I feel, is not being transmuted. And to a certain extent, that's just a a product of age. I mean, we're all more gullible when we're younger because we just don't have the experience to, to give something a sniff test, but... Yeah, sure. All this this urban legend shit about human trafficking and and stuff like that and a lot oh, of yeah, just sure. one hundred percent convinced that someone is putting zip ties on their car in the Walmart parking lot to mark them for human trafficking, <laughs> and you you just cannot explain to them <laughs> how human trafficking actually works because they don't they don't have the the environmental awareness right like you can't right. You can't just walk up to somebody and be like, actually, kid, the person who's most likely to traffic you into sex slavery are your parents or the foster system or that boyfriend you met who's three years older than you are. They, they, they don't want to hear it, you know? Well, it's much it's much more, I mean, just like every everything when we were teens, too. Like, I, it, it strikes me that we may not be the same age, but based on our understanding of Live Journal, I think we're around the same age. But I'll just I'll just assume that that's true. Um, but like, I mean, I, I feel like one of the things that is, uh, very true about any time you're a teenager is that you like the, the things that feel like fun, um, romantic, uh, interesting ways of like experiencing the world are always the ones that you're going to believe more. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. I want to, I, I much prefer believing that, uh, you know, um, what uh, 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 Wayfair is uh, is shipping someone named like uh, Bridget in, a, mm-hmm. in in their the Bridget um, credenza or whatever, as opposed to oh yeah, actually it's just like all the ties that bind that are abusive and create sex trafficking. Like I much would rather it be like a thriller, right? Um, you, that I could solve if, in a mystery and stuff. You know, if you want your own slave child, all you have to do is go on Yahoo groups. Like they're they're there. <laughs> yes. That's abs- I they, shouldn't laugh, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, yeah, it's 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 fucked. Um, I think that well, I mean, the powers that be certainly have an investment in not telling potential victims that the source of the danger is coming from inside the house. Like every older adult who means a child ill is working overtime to convince them of stranger danger. Course. Because it, because it keeps the them more you're from... afraid of strangers, the more right. you trust the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I, I don't think you can walk into a fifth grade classroom and be like, hey kids, if your dad ever assaults you, you should report it to no one because no one's gonna do anything. Like that that's not something that you can you can tell kids in elementary school. I certainly remember the uh the abuse education that I got as a kid was like, if a stranger touches you in your bathing suit area, tell an adult, you know, and 
Right. That's right. Almost never happens. First of all, and secondly, you know, as 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 the few children who do experience that, like no one helps you. That's not what you're supposed to do. It's so you. I, I think mm-hmm. part of it is just this Santa Claus kind of thing of you can't break their spirits that young, you know. And I don't know. I spend yeah, a lot sure. of time thinking about what would I tell a ten year old girl right now. Like if if I were her legal guardian, what would I tell her about all of this stuff? I have a you six know, year old you... daughter, and like I wonder about that too. Like it it is it is very. Um, I mean, it's tough. Like even even when she was like one or two, I was talking to like the the nanny of one of her friends. We we lived in a a neighborhood in Chicago where we were far and away the least wealthy. So it was just us who was who were like in an apartment, and then a bunch of people who owned houses. And, mm-hmm. like, had full-time nannies. So I knew the nannies. I didn't know the parents. Um, right, yeah. But we, I was chatting with one of the nannies, super nice woman. We kept in touch. and, and uh, But she was saying, like, oh, yeah, like, there's even sort of things you can learn about consent and, and start talking about consent when they're one. And I was like, man, there is – I don't know how to handle all of this. I, I won't know what, what to do when she's six. And as it happens, I don't. And 10, 12, I mean, it's just – it's uh, it's hard. Like, what do you – yeah, you don't want to say too much to – to make them feel like the world is a not interesting or compelling or excited pla- exciting place, but you want to tell them the truth, too. Right, yeah. You don't want to scare the shit out of them. Right, yeah. God, I, re- I remember I was in the mall with my mom. I was probably 9 or 10, and Pokemon had come out around that time. Okay. And there was, like, a, a little demo table set up in the mall to show off Pokemon cards. And, you know, I was old enough to, like, not be glued to my mom every second. So as long as I was within eyesight, um, you know, I I had a little bit of freedom. So I told her where I was going, and I just went over to the the Pokemon table. Okay, yeah. And just to check things out, and this this guy, he must have been 40. He even had a mustache, came over and started talking to me about Pokemon cards. And I, you know, babe in the woods, just politely answered his questions and, and engaged with him as I had been taught to do because uh, you sure. know, manners manners are very important, etc. And when I, you know, excused myself and went back to my mom, she's like, hey, did you enjoy talking to the pedophile? <laughs> 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 and she wasn't, you know, she, she was like... She had kept her a, eye on you or something, exactly. I guess. Exactly. She had yeah. made a joke out of it, I think because she understood that it was a really serious issue, but she also didn't want to treat the situation like I had just run into the street in front of a car, you know? So it wasn't mm-hmm. like that. She she wanted to just sort of give me the nod from, you know, one sentient, mature human to another that this was a danger situation. Interesting. Um, and, you know, she also... It, I, I think that I want to make sure that the the tone that I told that story is wasn't the tone that my mother used with me. She was not blaming me in any sense. It was just this this sort of we have a in the family we definitely have a morbid sense of humor because um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, the whole family is depressed and traumatized, and so that's just one of our coping mechanisms. Yeah, fair enough. And she taught that to her children certainly to both acknowledge when bad things were happening, but also, you know, it's okay to, you know, make a joke about it once in a while. So that was, that was where she was coming from. And you know what? It fucking worked. It stuck with me for the rest of my life. 
I did not feel shamed or that I had done anything wrong. Um, it was just a really smart way to communicate to me in a way that didn't, it didn't scare me. It let me know that she was keeping an eye on me and keeping me safe. Yeah. It let me know what was going on with the situation, but also didn't force me into like a big sit down conversation of where an adult tells you the facts of life, which can really make kids anxious as well. So it's, it's, I think, delicate for parents probably to, to have to, to juggle all of those different concerns. Um, yeah, I remember my, uh, my dad, who is, um, I mean, he would, he would tell you this too, but he is uh, famous for, for, you know, immediately jumping to acting like I have run, in, run out in front of a car. Like, he's a very nice man, but also extremely uh, Italian and worried that every <laughs> single thing I do is going to kill me. Um, and I mean, I, you know, my daughter ran out in front of a, like, not really a car. It was a parking lot and they were going like five miles an hour. But like, mm-hmm. I was, I, I didn't handle it in the cool collected way that you might anticipate well, how could you? Listening, <laughs> listening to my radio voice. Right. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, um, I was on ICQ in like, yes. this? it would have been like 1999 mm-hmm. and, uh, I was 14 and, um, I was like, I was on ICQ and um, I was I was talking um, with uh, a bunch of random people who I just found, you know, based on their numbers or whatever. I didn't know who these people were. And uh, and one of them was this guy uh, who was a Brazilian man. And I, I actually don't know if he was a Brazilian man or not, but he said he was. And he said mm-hmm. that his parents had died in this tragic car crash and he was raising mm-hmm. his 14 year old sister. And it was very sad, but he liked chatting with me. And uh, and he started sending me. <laughs> He started being like, hey, you know, like, um, uh, here's a picture of me and my girlfriend having sex. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. A classic. Um, and and uh, it was just like, it was just obviously like, even at 14, I was like, this is just a porno. Like, this isn't you and your girlfriend. <laughs> but, uh, and then he was like, he was like, uh, I mean, this is, this is where he triggered the 14 year old uh, straight male, uh, you know, idiot spot. Where he's just like, hey, if you come down to Brazil, I bet, um, <laughs> you know, I bet my my sister would love to sleep with you. And I was like, oh, well, this wow. is too good to be true. So it must be. <laughs> um, and uh, I I mentioned it offhandedly to my dad. I was never planning on buying the plane ticket, but my dad was like, Trevor, that's uh, that man <laughs> means you ill. That he's going to uh, he's going to do something really bad to you. Never talk to him again. <laughs> and I was like, really? He's like, oh yeah, don't do that, uh, please. Uh, that man is a pedophile, and you can never talk to him again. <laughs> okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> he was like, "I want to know that you never will." Like, okay, okay. But um, I mean, that stuck with me too. It's like, I feel like there's there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, obviously, it's like it, it changes based on gender, based on sexuality, based on you know uh, where where you're at in terms of like vulnerability in, in the scene you're in, or like the, everything changes, everything affects it. But like, mm-hmm. it's so weird how it can cut across and like be this problem that is still so awkward to discuss now in a way that like, I feel a lot of the parenting material that's like the internet is here now and it's making things very scary for parents misses because it was very scary for parents, you know, 20 years ago as well. Yeah. Well, that kind of crime is way down. Is it? Um, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, statistically, the stuff like child snatching and violent crime generally is way down. Uh, no, I knew that. Sexual yeah. assault, yeah. The, but I, I think child crimes are down as well. Huh. Um, 
That's that's my understanding anyway. Interesting. I mean, good. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll take it. Um, hmm. Well, anyway, I did actually ask you on to talk about video games. I'm glad we talked about this though. At first, this is always. Um, I I like the I like the beginning conversations with people when they are. Uh, uh, I don't know. Unexpected. Uh, it's always my favorite. I don't know if it's the audience's favorite. It may not be. But um, who cares? It's my show. Fuck uh, the audience. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's right. They're <laughs> I, not paying for this. No, I don't mean it. Don't. Uh, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're paying for other ones, and I'll never, I'll never say mean things about them on those. Uh, right. But, um, but yeah, you, you, you are known to play a video game. Yeah, actually, I, I mean, um, people are not aware of this really, but I had a, a, a short but spangled career as a games journalist. I worked for Wired, and I worked for Destructoid and Kotaku, and. Um, very nice. Had my own had my own thing going for a while. So yeah, there was I, I've like been in the in the trenches a little bit, but I'm glad what I got out of it. What was your favorite article? Oh, uh, goons destroy band of brothers in Eve Online. I broke that story. <laughs> Go, yeah, goon. I, I had a I had a contact. Actually, my friend. Uh, uh, I don't know if he wants me to say his name on the air, but his. His, his handle is Eric Town, but we've he God I've known him in person since we played Vampire the Masquerade LARP together. But he's really into <laughs> uh, he's really into nice. Eve Online. I don't know if he still plays, but he will if something big is going down in Eve Online, he'll always tell me because I love I love that gossip and I have absolutely no investment in it, so it's just oh, yeah, pure sure. entertainment for me. Makes sense. So I don't know if you know about this, but the the like Band of Brothers was the biggest. Eve Corporation for a while back in the aughts, or maybe I didn't I know that, but I did this. know about Eve Corporations. Yeah, yeah. So they were like one of the really big ones, and then okay. the second biggest one, of course, was Goon Swarm, which was just goons from something awful. Right. And they, the goons, waged this incredible intelligence campaign against Band of Brothers because, of course, the the benefit of being a goon is that you're forged in the posting mines, right? Like you get really good at uh, manipulating people and, you know, pretending to be someone else. And these guys were really good at sneaking their way into other corporations and getting intelligence. So they, they basically ambushed the shit out of band of brothers. And I don't remember the details, but there was just an enormous battle and goon swarm, which was much smaller than band of brothers just destroyed them. And this was huge news in EVE, um, and I guess I was the only person, like, working the EVE Online beat at all. But I got the news, you know, ten minutes after it happened and was able to break it in the middle of the night. It's messed up that you were the only person running the EVE Online uh, beat at that period of time, when, like, EVE Online was so huge. But I don't think people were that interested. I always thought the intrigue was very interesting and, like, the, the Russian money laundering aspect, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think I, Eve Online is kind of opaque, so people don't really identify with it. Like, it might be because of the corporate thing, right? Like yeah. the idea of corporations. Just I, I remember a friend describing it to me one time. Um, uh, who I mean, this was a guy who um, it was sort of a friend of a friend, but he he ended up. Um, I haven't talked to him in years, but the last time I talked to him, he was leaving to join U.S. Special Forces because he enjoyed uh, Metal Gear so much. Um, oh my god! 
Made wow. it through training. I mean, what are the weird, right? Like, just a strange, strange dude. Um, and then quit because he didn't like it, surprisingly well, enough. Good for him. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but who knows what war crimes he committed in the meantime. But yeah. um, probably a few. Uh, but he um, he was telling me about it. It was one of his things. And I think one of the reasons he decided to go do something else was because he was just playing Eve constantly. Like that was just his entire life uh, was playing yeah. Eve and, uh, and sleeping. Um, and he, uh, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, Eve's like, if you, he's like, if you have like a, if you had a job and <laughs> you come home from your job and then you have a second job <laughs> that doesn't pay you any money, but it's, just as stressful as your first job. That's Eve. I was like, that sounds horrible. Like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. People I mean, really, it's, uh, it, yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a grind. Um, I, you know, I mean, I think the interesting part comes with all of the, the corporate intrigue, right? Like the corporate military space intrigue. I love that shit. I love that, that hard science fiction, Larry Niven stuff, you know? Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, but I think it, it sounds like you really have to, it takes months to get to the point where you can actually participate in, in any of that stuff. So, That's yeah, I, rough. I never got into it myself, but I always kind of wistfully thought, gee, you know, if I, if I got hit by a car and got a $3 million settlement, I would definitely just get into some really, really time-wasty MMO shit. I would love to do that. Oh, yeah. Why not? Like it. There's something there's something really, uh, really elegant about extremely grindy stuff to me. Like and and I mean, this is this will come as no surprise to anyone who knows, like how I play Final Fantasy 14 or whatever. Like I just I I gravitate towards the dumbest, grindiest stuff instantly. And Mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know, there's there's an elegance about it because it's just such a repetitive kind of pointless thing. But it has a a kind of outcome that only a couple you know a a very small percentage of people see so it feels like climbing the least consequential mountain of all time yeah um and like i don't know i I think i would do the same if i just had nothing but time on my hands i would i would do that too yeah i i think part of it is that you want you, you put the investment in so that you can experience something that becomes a good story and then you, you've put all of this time and effort into, you know, rising the ranks in Goonfleet or whatever. And right. then after the big battle happens, then you have the story. And you have that for the rest of your life. And it's in, in those terms, it's a really good investment. And the second part is that it's non-alienated labor. Mm, you, you, that's interesting. You click, 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 and you do it for five hours, and you get XP and gold or whatever. And that's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's all pixels, and it's fake. But it's not alienated labor. You're not working for somebody else. You're working for yourself. You earned that for an instant, you know, perhaps a, a delayed gratification, but it still arrived right on time. And it's yeah. yours. You know, you, you worked for it. So it's, I mean, it's exactly the same reason why people get just weird hobbies like fly tying or, <laughs> I don't know, what would be a building ships and bottles and stuff. It's like this is, is completely useless and has is no material benefit to you whatsoever, except that when you're done, you've got a ship and a bottle, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because, like, I, I think, like, the, the pushback to people, to you saying that, and, and I agree with you, but the pushback would be something like, well, it, it's alienated insofar as um, the 
the people making the money, like you know, in, in you know any of the corporations who make these games, uh, be it you know uh, Blizzard or Square or Unix or whatever, um, they're the ones sort of like reaping the benefit of your labor. Your but right. like ultimately, that's the money that you put into pay, pay, playing the game. And, and I don't think anyone would say like games aren't commodities or games aren't sort of like paid for commodities. I think like the idea of your labor producing just like this character that is only valuable to you but like excessively valuable to you that mm-hmm. is that is sort of like a a very inconsequential but important non-alienated labor in the same way that like stamp collecting is right like stamp collecting in such a way that you are not doing it for profit um mm-hmm. you're just collecting stamps because you love stamps <laughs> that's you've yeah. taken them out of the marketplace you've changed them into something that is inconsequential but you know importantly yours i, I find that really interesting i've never really thought about it that way yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time, like, spending time doing anything that isn't monetized, partially because of actual poverty and partially sure. because of, you know, the, the sort of brain shape that you get into after years of poverty. So, you know, I, I've there's a very unhealthy thing that a lot of freelancers, including myself do where we have monetized literally everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, sure. I don't, I don't get onto Twitter without, you know, calculating, gee, is this going to be a good use of my time? You know, there's a tweet recently. I can't remember who said it, but it is exactly the attitude that I have to have towards social media, which is that every time I think about deleting my Twitter account, I remember that you guys are my dental insurance. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, everybody that's pretty gets good. everybody gets one big crown fund in their white in their life, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. you know, you you kind of every time some crisis happens in my life, I'm like, is this it? Is this the one that I should crowdfund for? And I've I've I kept putting it off, and I have been putting it off because you know something worse can always happen. I've been lucky so far; I haven't gotten cancer or anything. But yeah, you know, it's it's coming. Something will happen, and because I don't have a real job. This is, you know, these are my chips that I have to cash in. I, I did my big crowdfund when I thought I, I, I thought my brain was breaking when I had double mm-hmm. vision, and they were like, immediately go to the hospital. Your brain might be broken. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I crowdfunded immediately. I was like, you know what? This is going to be way too much money for me to afford. This is my one, yeah. and I wouldn't do it again. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a, yeah, it's 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 an odd sort of like. Um, makes you do a strange kind of calculus. And, and, and you're right in saying that everything is monetized. And if it's not monetized, you're wondering how you can monetize it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember I started following you because of your art. Um, the, the, I think you were doing tarot cards back then. Um, perhaps you still are. Um, I don't know. Are you, are you still thinking doing? of problem glyphs? Yeah, problem glyphs. That's what I'm thinking of. Those, yeah. like, very cool, like, ink, uh, like, sort of, like, heavy ink drawings that were, like, mm-hmm. vaguely demonic, vaguely sort of, like... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just describing your work to you. Uh, yeah, yeah problem. That's, that's, that's an ongoing project that has st- it still goes every month, and it's been running since 2013. So amazing! I didn't know if yeah. it was still running. I did know that that was why I followed you initially because I loved how they looked, um, and I've just enjoyed your content since then. Oh, uh, well, of course, but the um, but yeah, like I I feel like that's something where in a different world I could see you doing that project just based on the merits of itself, as opposed mm-hmm. to what certainly, and I can absolutely relate to the fact, you, you're you doing it because, like, it also pays the bills. Yeah. 
I, I think that the audience in general, like the internet public, has gotten more accustomed to the idea of people can't work for free anymore. We just can't do it. So I, I think what I was trying to say back when I was talking about live journal is that I have noticed a change in attitude that there used to be a lot more pushback about how dare you ask us for money to do art? You know, you should be doing it for the purity of creation, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I, I don't really see that as much anymore. I think people are a lot more free with tipping and just sending cash. And I certainly am like, if I see anybody on the timeline, you know, particularly people I know, cause they're my family mm-hmm. um, yeah. who needs something. I'm just like, yeah, here's five bucks. I've, yeah. I have it and you don't. So you should have it. Yep. It's, yeah. it, and that is, that's gotten a lot better for, even as the economy has gotten worse, interestingly, um, that's gotten a lot better in the past 10 years, I'd say. But, uh, so, you know, I don't get, I don't get so much pushback anymore from people being like, you know, you don't deserve to make money off of your art. And I think just expecting that every artist has a, a six figure day job and then they go home and spend two hours at night before they go to sleep doing art or whatever so i mean that's a wild thought but i mean it happens it does Uh, you know i i i I remember talking to um my uh my agent eric um hayne who's a a lovely fellow um works at headwater headwater literary agency a very nice uh leftist fun place to uh be writing a book but um he was saying i was i was asking him about that and he was like yeah you know i had a friend who was who had like a day job that was totally unrelated to his writing and it helped him write at night and then he got a job as a journalist and he couldn't write anymore <laughs> it's like what a yeah what a, what a strange thing we all do <laughs> like what a what a weird way to what a weird thing it, it is to like channel your energies towards money it just it it really is like tough to predict very very much like a i don't know it's 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 complicated it's it's um it's depressing yeah, I mean, I've if I wasn't able to do this and, you know, survive off of art and, you know, modeling actually weirdly is now providing a lot of a lot of food and shelter at the moment, um, which is something I've mm. I've just done my whole life, but yeah. uh you develop this enormous backlog, just thousands of photos of yourself and most of them have never gone anywhere or done anything. Yeah. Um and you have rights to them, of course. So I can now monetize those too, which is great, but it, it, has, it has allowed me to be as chronically ill as I am, where, mm-hmm. you know, I really only have between five and ten days during a month where I can actually work, um, mm-hmm. and it's allowed me to survive on that. It's, uh, so in that, in that respect, it's, really a blessing um yeah and of course a lot of it is luck and a lot of it is privilege uh but um you know it's 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 a tough thing because i i feel like on one level it feels as if like you know we should all acknowledge that and we all should on the other hand it's like it's very tough to to bridge that that i don't know to bridge that like um chasm between like acknowledgement and apology where, mm-hmm. like, I don't think you should have to apologize for that if that's the way that you get to live. That's the way that, you know, I don't think anyone should hold that against you. I think it's perfectly okay to acknowledge privilege, but to also then have to apologize for making a living feels needlessly cruel. But what is the distinction between those two? Like, it is 
it's just this um i mean to put it in video game terms it's it's like it's a truly strange balance like the two things mm -hmm. require a type of balancing act that i feel like no one has quite mastered um everyone is sort of like overcompensating at one point or another one way or the other um mm -hmm. it is it is um yeah it's uh it's it's a tough it's a tough it's a tough game to play yeah but there are people who make a ton of money uh, all over the place, just way too much money. Um, and one of them, uh, or many of them, uh, are in management at uh, Rockstar Studios, uh, home of one of the games that uh, I, I feel that you are not a huge fan of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was, I was, before we, when we were talking about recording this, I'm like, oh, I, I should... I should play more of Red Dead Redemption 2 just so I'm fresh for the podcast, and I just I just couldn't do it. That's reasonable. I, I, I spent all day today playing stupid Skyrim mods uh, instead. Well, let's let's so, do it this way. Why don't why don't why don't you tell me what you don't like about Red Dead? Just as 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 incohately as possible, or however however you remember it, and then we'll just use that to uh, move into what is so different and so much more enjoyable about Skyrim mods because I think those are. Like I think I feel like people have have had a lot of takes on Red Dead, and I don't think comparing it or thinking about it in the same breath as Skyrim mods is one of them. <sighs> okay, um, I'm I'm a big fan of Red Dead Redemption. I never played Red Dead Revolver, but okay. uh, Red Dead Redemption I did really love a lot of, um, and of course you know every time you love a Rockstar game you really have to disclaim it to yourself and also to anybody that you're talking to with. Cause <laughs> I mean, rockstar for all of their strengths also has just some abysmal weaknesses as we know. Um, so red dead redemption was really one of the more successful rockstar properties because it combined their elegance of environment it's, I think, one of their most successful environments mm -hmm. in terms of you can go anywhere on the map in Red Dead Redemption and just look around. And if you have spent any time in the American Southwest whatsoever, you will know exactly where you are. Okay. The birds are right. The colors are right. The sky is right. And this is on PlayStation 2 graphics, right? But somehow the just the 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 freshness of the desert and the weather is so good and you really feel you you really feel it you know it's i i think that the the ultimate gaming experience is immersion right i mean and of course yeah. it's sort of a, a a meme word at this point and rightfully so but that's certainly the that is the gaming experience that i want i want somebody to take me out of where i am and put me somewhere else and they get, they're allowed a credibility budget, and the credibility budget, they are allowed to make some withdrawals on the credibility budget for various things which are anachronistic or, you know, wrong for the environment or, you know, gee, there aren't cougars that low in Colorado or whatever, you know. So the credibility right, sure. budget is, is, is limited. And you have to make up for it you have to you have to deposit into the credibility budget by making everything else convincing and strong and good and immersive and i felt that red dead redemption you know 
totally hand-waving away, and I acknowledge that I'm hand-waving away the fact that it's colonialist, it's subtlerist, it treats any mention of indigenous Americans terribly. And there's just a lot of bad messaging, of course, that we always get with Rockstar games in, in Red sure. Dead. But that's true, of course, of the of the Western genre. But God, the music was so good. And I mean, it was really successful as a Western in on, on the level of a video game. So I was really excited about Red Dead Redemption 2 because there was a lot more they could have done with it. And particularly because... Uh, the DLC for Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare was so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was very silly, but it also was one of the most interesting zombie games that has ever come out. It was a Western zombie, you know, invasion and and plague uh, gameplay. And the gameplay loop wasn't perfect because you kept getting, like, paged to go out and shoot zombies from the roof of a saloon, and you would have to keep doing this, and that was kind of boring. Sure. But the concept of a Western zombie setting is so good, and it's so little uh, little looked at as a genre, even though it makes perfect sense. It's just, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful mishmash. And, and it was very, very goofy. Uh, Rockstar's strongest area is in uh, characterization, you know, like making you actually laugh at the dumb shit that people are saying on screen. The writing is pretty good in almost all of their games. Delivery is fantastic. A lot of their yeah. dialogue and stuff is improvised. They're just very good at that. They're one of the best studios in terms of delivering dialogue and writing that doesn't make you want to kill yourself, <laughs> which the vast majority of video games can't do. You know, they just they're just incapable of it. Yeah, quite true. So, booting up Red Dead Redemption 2, and I actually streamed it on Twitch. There's probably a video on demand of me just being, like, immediately very disappointed. Like, the, the, the tutorial, quote-unquote tutorial, like, intro level lasts for an hour. Everyone talks through the entire thing. You can drive trucks through the pauses between people saying their lines, which, again, is a huge video game problem that Rockstar usually doesn't have. Uh -huh. So I come from a theater background, so line delivery is really important to me, and I notice it when in video games, particularly something like Mass Effect, your character will say something like, oh, the gamma system is being invaded by blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, what if we go to the beta <laughs> system? And I, it drives me crazy. <laughs> it... It triggers my autism. I just, I flip out. I can't play the RPGs that have this just awful, you know, long pauses and shit. And, and Rockstar usually doesn't have that. They are very fucking snappy. Yeah. Um, their cutscenes yeah, are I, totally watchable, you know? It just, so. it, it feels like, I remember, um, my dad's an actor. And, like, I remember, I'm not. But <laughs> I remember <laughs> when I, when I was, uh, when I was, like, trying to, uh, you know, be in the school play, right? Um, I remember not really knowing how to do it. And, like, his suggestion was, oh, so, like, when someone asks you, um, or when you have to ask someone a question, you need to ask it as if you are really, like, curious about the answer. It needs to be a question. It can't be, like, you know, you can't be, like, what do you think? Like, it has mm -hmm. to actually be, like, how do you ask, like, ask me a question right now? Like, Okay, what did that sound like? Make it sound like that. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that was very helpful for me, and I, I sort of got it. And whenever I listen to video games, it's sort of like that. It's like, I don't 
this doesn't really make a lot of sense as far as like an actual conversation goes. <laughs> like, I don't right. think this, and this doesn't make this doesn't work. Um, yeah, and when it doesn't, that's work, a it's hit like, on yeah. the, that's a hit on the credibility budget right there. Yep. You don't yeah, believe it. You don't believe it. So you're with you're making a withdrawal right there. They're running out of budget. Yeah, it makes yeah, me that's nuts. A great point. It's uh, and Rockstar is usually really good at it. I I think one of the reasons that RDR two. Uh, RDRR. Um, I, I think about reasons. that every time. <laughs> Literally, I, I must have I must have tried to make that joke like six times, being like, "Is someone going to find this funny?" Um, turns out, I think out, you have to. Yeah, you probably have to come from an old theater family to to get that joke, <laughs> <laughs> or at least watch a lot of The Simpsons, I guess, which is kind of the same thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I had just gotten, well, I didn't finish GTA V, but I had replayed quite a lot of it before Red Dead Redemption 2 came on Game Pass. Because, you know, as we all learned in Secret of Monkey Island, never pay more than 20 bucks for a computer game. So I'm not (laughs) paying $60 for fucking Red Dead. I'm not going to do it. So I just waited until it came out on Game Pass. And while I was waiting, I played GTA V. And GTA V has snappy fucking dialogue. It's funny. It's fun to play. Uh, the gameplay loop is pretty damn good. The controls are pretty solid for, you know, console controls. Um, I don't have a lot of complaints about GTA V. And, of course, the characters are fucking great. Like, it's got one of the best casts of any Rockstar game. So going from that to Red Dead 2, where I literally, sitting here, can't remember the name of a single person. Like, the main guy, Uh, I have no no clue. I don't remember what they look like. Which is, I mean, especially funny, and, and this isn't this isn't to suggest that you like, this isn't to suggest anything about you. It's it's truly a, a a slam on the game, and like just like again, the credibility budget being so low. Like, this is this is a prequel, right? Like, you should remember these characters because you cared about them in the first game, and the fact that like they couldn't even make them interesting in the second. Oh game yeah, is, John uh, Marston is in it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, a, he shows up and he's, he gets injured or something. I don't know. Um, so I was like, all right, fine. Well, I guess the characterization isn't so great. That's, that's okay. I just want to play Sim Cowboy. You know, that's why I'm yeah. here. That's the point. Um, you want the frontier. You want to, yeah, sure. Of course. So the, the first thing that happens in the opening conflict, like the, the tutorial shootout is all of the characters find, they're all freezing to death, right? In right. it's not, it's not stated outright, but it, they're definitely in the Colorado mountains, freezing to death while trying to go over a pass, which is something that happened a lot to settler families. Okay, so they're looking for shelter. They find this, you know, farmhouse inhabited by bandits out in the middle of a field, and there's a big shootout and blah, 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 and they get inside, and they find a woman that they're going to rescue. And while they're having the confrontation with the traumatized woman, which, you know, that's a classic Western motif, mm-hmm. uh, somebody knocks a an oil lantern onto the floor and onto drapes. Right, yes. And I was like, oh shit, they knocked a lantern over. But instead of anyone in this conversation doing anything about the fire that is about to engulf the entire building, (laughs) they continue to have a conversation with this woman. (laughs) Choosing their priorities that that they are going to continue this talk that they're having and let the entire building burned down around them. So instead of somebody being like, oh shit, there's a fire, and taking their poncho off and throwing it on top of the oil fire, they yeah, literally let the house burn down. I had this problem with it too. 
That is true. Yeah. I remember like feeling very weird about the beginning. I didn't get much past the beginning of, of Red Dead 2, but like I remember feeling very strange about it and then like being like, why do I feel like this is a weird opening? And now that I'm thinking about it, it's because that house did not have to burn down. No. It's it that's it's a credibility budget again. I don't believe that. That's not how frontier people behaved. Everybody would have been on top of that lantern immediately. It's not like anybody had their guns out or anything. You know, there wasn't, there was no greater emergency. So, I mean, it sounds like such a silly thing and people make fun of me for this, but I cannot let stuff like this go because it's lazy. And I know that Rockstar is capable of doing so much better because you know what? I do not remember any moments like that from GTA V. (laughs) <laughs> or right. Red Dead Redemption or any of the other Rockstar games I've played. I, the, But this particular scene in RDR2 is just burned into my memory because it just made me so angry. I was just screaming. <laughs> um, on on stream. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, there were like, my, my, my regulars were in my Twitch channel just, of course, making fun of me, as they should. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, if you're expecting, if you're selling this game to me as the cowboy simulator and it's hyper-realistic and it, it's within the bounds of the genre and all that, because Rockstar loves genre, that's their their bread and butter is genre. Um, <laughs> you, you stop fucking with me. You know, this is cheap. This is cheap shit. I, I am not being respected as a, as a member of the audience. And throughout the game, I just kept having that feeling of this was rushed or they just didn't get things together. You know, nothing really gelled the way that it usually does for, uh, for rockstar games. There was nothing funny in, I think there was like one joke that I laughed at and now I can't remember what it was, but other than that, everybody is just grim, dark, very serious Batman voice. You know, well, we got to get more horses, you know, it's just, it's a I, very, very grim game. Right. And you don't need that, and that's not the case in Red Dead Redemption. John Marston certainly is a gravel-voiced Batman type, but the people around him are not. They are the usual cast of characters. They are goofy. Some of them are genre tropes. Some of them are just weird, nasty rock star people that you always get popping up in their games, which, sure. you know, I, I personally wouldn't write them that way, but they're, they're people I can laugh at at least. Nothing like that, unless it comes, it pops up later in the game. But I played for, you know, a good few hours trying to find something I could hang on to, you know, some sort of friction in the game so I wasn't just constantly sliding off it. But I did not find oh. anything. And the crime system is busted. Um, <laughs> Which is like, not super. I mean, if, if there's anything Rockstar is known for, it's it's being able to game the crime system. Yeah. But, you know, I would be out in the middle of the wilderness, like, hunting a rabbit or something, and fucking five deputies would come galloping up and shoot me dead. And it would be like, bounty, $500. I was like, what did I do? (laughs) And I literally had no idea. And it's this kept happening over and over again. And it would be stuff like, um, you know, I was riding through town and my horse stepped on somebody's foot. Or a a dude died one time in the middle of town. (laughs) And I was just standing there. Look, yeah, I was standing there looking at his corpse and some people walked by and were like, you killed him. And then I got a bounty on me. And he had just he just died in a duel with another NPC that I had witnessed and that all of these other people had witnessed as well. So the artificial intelligence sucks. 
you can imagine that being fun in a certain way where it's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, you can be blamed for a crime that you didn't commit. That's so like that's so much a uh, a fun like trope, right? Like that's a yes. fun Western trope. Like, ooh, you yes. know, like John Marsden didn't do this or like et cetera didn't do this. Like, but they're getting blamed for it. But in in this, it's like, oh yeah, like just, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Like it's a uh, you're 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 just gonna have to have to deal with the fact that uh, no one knows what they're doing and it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. like that sucks. Like that's it. You, you, there's none of the stakes uh, that you'd want there. There's none of the none of the um, intrigue. It's just random. That's it is. It's random and it's punishing and it prevents you from, you know, just. I mean, Rockstar really flourishes in their immersive gameplay because you play Rockstar games to see what the game is going to do. Yes, Uh, yes, that's right. You use it as a sandbox, and the sandboxing had been really kneecapped. Hi, folks. Have you ever had the nagging suspicion that your hairline is retreating on you? Ever get curious about why it suddenly feels so breezy up there? Well, father time comes for us all, and when you think he might be coming for your hair, get him out of there! with Keeps. Yes, friends, Keeps, a revolutionary new treatment for male pattern baldness and hair loss that, when used at the first signs of balding, allows you to keep that beautiful head of hair full and firm. Best of all, you can use Keeps from the comfort of your own home. Simply visit one of their doctors online and have a prescription mailed to the convenience of your own home. Every three months you'll get more, and if you're worried about the price, don't. Keeps uses a generic version of hair loss medicines and passes the savings on to you. A new price for a new you starting at $10 a month. But don't forget to act soon because the key to Keeps is prevention, not regrowth. Save that head of hair, friend, before it goes away and save it today with a special offer code by going to www.keeps.com slash Hagelbon. That's www.keeps.com. K-E-E-P-S dot C-O-M slash H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. Go there and receive your first month free and tell them Hegelbahn sent you. I felt in in two. Um, I, I didn't feel like I was being allowed to play with the engine the way that you can play with it in previous Rockstar titles. Um mm-hmm. I just, I was so frustrated the whole time I was playing it because I wasn't being allowed to actually play the game. I was constantly being interrupted with some shit I didn't care about. Or, Mm. you know, there was a little bit of that in Red Dead Redemption, in particular uh, with cougars who could one-shot you. And (laughs) they would, I don't know if you played this or remember it, but sometimes you'd be out in the middle of the wilderness and a cougar would just come out of literally nowhere and either kill you or your horse. Sure, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm aware of this of this dynamic. Yeah. It was so it was so weird, but it didn't happen that much. So it was just kind of like a funny thing instead of game ending. But the way that the warrant system and the bounty system in in number two worked was just it did it was punishing. It was game ending. That and so, I was constantly like punching my horse by accident because the UI is terrible on console. And you just feel bad about that. I mean, what a terrible yeah. like, what a terrible feeling to punch your horse. So the horse I, stuff was not as good as I wanted to. Go ahead, sorry. I, I feel like okay. So let me let me use this actually as a, as a way to say something that I, I feel will be unpopular. I find the horse stuff in most games is not as good as I want it to be. Um, yep. I'm playing Breath of the Wild now, which again, like it's a game that is amazing but also has like a, a billion problems or you know it's 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 
garbage in terms of gender. I, I, you know, let me let me hand wave that because smarter people than I have already talked about it. But of course, um, the one thing that I will complain about, I find it extreme, extraordinarily gripping. And again, this is something that a lot of people have said too. They find it really gripping. It's easy to play a lot of, et cetera, et cetera. Um, gotta say, the horse stuff not super interesting to me. You get mm-hmm. to tame them and stuff, but like, I don't know. I just rather walk. Like there's <laughs> there's no reason to have a horse. I feel like most games have horses and then uh, obviate them completely via quick travel, via you know areas that horses should not be running on. Where mm-hmm. like the only reason you'd want it is if you were like really interested in horses as a hobby. Mm-hmm. I Which like, I what? am. I'm sure. you know I'm I'm a I'm a horse girl. <laughs> um, I, I I come proud, from a horsey background. Proud self identified. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a plague, right? Because it gets into your brain. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I was really looking forward to with RDR2 was horse stuff. Because that was so, so uh, hyped, you know, it was all realistic horses. And actually, Red Dead Redemption did a pretty good job with their horses. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good mix of, you know, the horse didn't act like a motorcycle. It acted like a horse. You know, you had to sort of interact with the buttons in a similar rhythm that you would use on a real horse kind of but not to the point where it wasn't playable anymore so i was looking forward to seeing how they um how they iterated on that system and (laughs) the first thing that happened is you know what the leader of the bad gang i guess i do remember one person's name his name is dutch i think oh yeah so that yeah the main bad guy he has this beautiful uh, white horse, which is apparently the best horse in the game, as somebody told me in the chat room. And so I checked out the horse's stats when I got to the first camp, and it's listed as a white Arabian, um, which it is not. And I know this. <laughs> I know this because I recognize the horse. The horse is based on pictures of pictures that went viral a few years ago of quote-unquote, the most beautiful horse in the world. And this was this very skinny, very tall, kind of greyhound-type horse, which is this beautiful golden color. And the color is called Perlino, if I'm not mistaken. It's not white. Uh, Horse people do not refer to white horses as white unless they are albinos. We call them greys. Um, And it was not an... Yes, exactly. And it was not an Arabian. It is an Occultique, which is a completely different breed and also a breed that would have died instantly in the mountains of Colorado. <laughs> mm, there is yeah, okay, no fucking... That was the credibility budget just blown right there again that, you know, just, they, they put this meme horse in and told me it was, you know, so good. But you don't want that. You want a fucking pack horse. You want a big, big quarter horse who can uh, get up and down the, the mountains good. I like the horse breeds. Okay. They were pretty, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there really wasn't that much interaction. I didn't particularly feel that the horses had a character to them. Because that's what you want in games. You want, if you have an animal, the animal should matter to you. You sure. know, like dog meat and Fallout. Or the dogs in, in Fable, of course, are, are very well uh, programmed. And you do actually care about them. Yeah, I've had I've had animals I care about in games, and like it is it is both a a joy and uh, a stressor because like mm-hmm. you super worry about them getting hurt. Like it's it right. is you know it's it, it is that thing where it's like I care more about these characters than I do the um, than I do like the other humans, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, no, 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 for sure. Like I I feel like I feel like this is all 
This is all leading in, me into a question uh, about mods to you, which is, do you like game? Do you like mods because they allow you to um, kind of uh, build the credibility budget up such as you would like it? Like, uh, you know, basically fix inefficiencies. You know, cut back on things you don't need, like you would in a normal budget. Like, just like you know. Balance the, I guess it lets you balance the credibility budget effectively. Like you're allowed to, totally. you're allowed to say like, okay, the horses are going to look like this now, or the, you know, the, the exploration is going to be like this now. I mean, does that, does that make the game like constitutively better for you? Yeah. I, I would say that the, the question that is constantly running through my mind, I mean, just to backpedal a little bit in sure. when we, when we criticize video games and think critically about them the 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 question that always comes up that we all groan and roll our eyes at are is our video games art right and the reason why that question sucks so much is that it's it's completely moot it doesn't matter the real well, it question is video games and art like it's just it's right. a crummy question yeah it it doesn't matter uh what does matter is why video games are so bad when they could be so good and mm-hmm. we have a few examples of games that are truly, really fucking good. And I always use Portal as one example. Very few people are going to argue with me about this. You know, it's and a I'm good not example. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it has movie quality writing. The concept is brilliant. The execution is brilliant. You know, Valve, of course, excels at... They do all of their sound work in-house... So you don't get these horrible library sounds of like, there's that one creaky door, there's that one giggling child, there's that one pig, there's that one chicken. Mm-hmm. And we have heard right. all of these library sound effects 500 times. Yeah, Wilhelm time we style stuff. Wilhelm stuff, exactly. So, you know, it, when I play a Valve game, I never have to hear the Wilhelm rusty door. <laughs> you know, I don't even have to hear bullet sounds from previous library effects because they have their own shooting range under the studio. Man. They they record all of this great. stuff in house and and that's just I'm not saying that all of game studios have to do that. I'm saying that Valve has craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what matters is that I want you to respect me as a member of the audience enough to actually put some fucking effort into it because I paid $60 for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean I feel like I feel like there's like that that's a really good way of putting it because you get to you get to sort of understand like a number of ways that that you know credibility and like effort can be can be put into place where like you look at something like uh, this is a game i use a lot because um i'm 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 friends with uh you know one of the creators but night in the woods um is a game that i feel like takes the audience very seriously and the game takes the audience very seriously because it assumes that they have full emotional range like you, you can mm-hmm. make decisions and feel good or bad about them it doesn't it doesn't assume that you just want like the good ending right or even mm-hmm. gives you a good ending because it's like yeah you know what it's like you're you're a person you're a fully fleshed out individual you can you can sort of pick the way that you understand the story and there's not going to be like a good ending and a bad ending for you like it's right. it's written knowing that you are an adult who is you know however old you are you are an adult who should be should be treated with respect and like mm-hmm. I feel like on some level obviously those two things are very different being able to afford a huge gun range under your studio in order to get correct sound is <laughs> yeah. different than being a very good writer but they both are ways of treating the audience with 
the respect that video game audiences are typically not treated with. Um, and so, like, yes. I, I think that is part of it. Like, I think being able to say, like, oh, actually, the studio cares about me. Or, like, the studio thinks that mm-hmm. I'm not, like, a total moron. That's, like, that's a, yeah. that's a big deal. It is. And it's, I mean, as a parent, I forgive me for, you know, speaking out of turn as a non-parent, but I, I think you totally probably agree to. with me that children, to a certain extent, will rise to your, not so much expectations, but the space that you give them. 100%. So if you, mm-hmm. if you are talking to your child with baby talk throughout their toddlerhood, you're going to slow down their linguistic processes. I mean, we've done studies yep. on this. We know it. It's so true. every time Red Dead Redemption shows me some, or number two, shows me some bullshit, they are talking down to me. That's that's baby talk. That's goo goo gaga shit. You know, yep. don't yeah, don't give, feed me that crap. It's like um, how um, if, it's like how Fall Guys uh, is introducing something uh, in the next season or whatever. I don't play Fall Guys, but I, I saw that they were, and it was something like uh, it was like it was a big spiky thing, and they called it like the spiky boy or something like that. Like at, at someone, at someone I follow was like, we got to just stop Reddit speak. This is like, this is getting too much. Um, and, yeah. but that's like, that's what are you doing? Like, you think I'm going to like, is this something that you think is important to me? Is this something, mm-hmm. is this what you think my, if you still where you think my brain is at, like, this is, mm-hmm. this is insulting. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, for sure. It's baby talk. It's, 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 uh, it's virtual baby talk. Mm-hmm. So, why are video games so bad when they could be so good? And often for exactly the same amount of investment and resources. Mm-hmm. I, I got a little taste of this when I was, uh, I was an intern at a concept art studio called Massive Black in San Francisco. They did, uh, they worked on, well, they, they get hired as outside studios to come in and work on AAA games. Okay. So, I got to see a little bit how the sausage was made, which is one reason I'm not a concept artist right now. <laughs> so, you know, all of the students in the atelier that I was in at the time uh, were being funneled directly into concept art. So we, you know, became interns. And at one time, some review meeting, I raised my hand and I'm like, I have a question. If the AAA studio comes to you and says, hey, could you design us a protagonist for the next Infamous, which is one that they actually worked on. Okay. Um, why do you only give them a sheet of white guys. And the artists immediately responded to me. They were all white guys, too. They, they immediately responded. They said, because if we don't, they will fire us. Huh. There's nothing in the brief that says this guy has to be a six-foot white guy who weighs 180 pounds and blah, blah, blah. They don't say it explicitly. But if we show them a sheet with different types of people on it or women, they're just going to think that we're fucking around and wasting the money that they spent to hire us and then we're not going to get work anymore. Wow. So there's this there's this enforcement of the status quo by the producer cast onto artists, which is not news to anyone who's worked in any creative field. That's always how it goes. But these motherfuckers come into like the rendering room, you know, and look over somebody's shoulder if they're animating a creature in a game or a movie and say, "Well, this CGI tiger isn't roaring enough. If, if it's a tiger, it should be roaring all the time. And the artist is like, well, tigers don't really do that, particularly not if they're stalking someone. And the guy says, I don't care. I want to see a tiger that's blah, blah, blah. 
And this shit gets put into movies and stuff, and then audiences go, oh, that's a tiger, all right. And they just stay stupid. But I don't think, like, the the tyranny (laughs) of the producer and the focus group is making everyone else dumber. And I, I, I will tell one more anecdote. I'm sorry I'm talking so much. I'm just, I feel okay. so passionate about this subject. One of the earliest times I was ever told to notice this was I was watching the director's cut of Terminator 2. And I must have been like 11 or 12. Okay. And there's a, a one of the biggest deleted scenes in Terminator 2 is where the T-1000 goes to John's house, goes into his bedroom, and then puts his weird robot fingers over everything in John's bedroom. His Mm -hmm. posters, his stuffed animals, his sheets, and everything like that. And we have already been told previously that the T-1000 has very highly attuned sensory capabilities, and he can pick up molecules with his finger pads, basically, and sort of act as a bloodhound. And he's he's getting John's scent so he can track him. But this has already been explained earlier in the movie, and very briefly. So I watched the director's commentary about this scene, and James Cameron, before he did Titanic and went insane from nitrogen narcosis. Um, he, <laughs> that is he one explanation. <laughs> yeah, that's my theory, is uh, he's got the, the deep crazies. Um, <laughs> he, he, gets, he gets on the mic and he's like, yeah, we deleted this scene because we had already explained it to the audience and they deserve my respect. They don't need their, their hands held through this. They don't need to ex- explain to them twice that the T-1000 has to touch things in order to smell them. You know, it's just yeah. it's just dead air. Get rid of it. And he's hmm. right. And it was the first time that I had thought to myself, wow, this guy who's done, you know, arguably two of the greatest action science fiction movies of all time, Aliens and Terminator 2, uh, both of them with female leads, you know, yeah. just a, a giant in his field again before he went insane. Um is explaining to me why his movies are so good. And the reason why is because none of these movies call me an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) These movies, they, they allowed me to show up to the cinema. And if I didn't get it, if I needed that extra explanation about the T-1000 too fucking bad. I, I was being expected to use my brain, even in that silly science fiction genre action flick, you know, those movies that are so, um, not just movies anymore, but games that, that genre stuff is so shrugged off and hand waved away by so-called serious, uh, critics, you know, and rightly so because most of them fucking suck, but we have James Cameron here to show us the way, or we have Ridley Scott in, uh, alien taking, getting the alien script and saying, why do we have a male lead? Let's just make it a woman. There's no reason mm-hmm. why this lead shouldn't be a woman. It would be interesting. Let's do it. There's no, yeah. you don't need a better reason than that. You know, it would be, yeah, exactly. I think, I think this would be good. I think the audience might like it. I think they might get something out of it. We might get something yeah. out of it by making it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. So, I mean, I guess the, the thing I'd ask about mods then, like, I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to mods, but like, this is fascinating to me. Like, do you feel that like mods are a way of, you know, forcing this issue, making it so that like, you know, people who do respect their audiences, which is to say like the, the small amount of people who might download their mod, like, cause they, these are, these are like, these are fairly limited. Um, oh yeah. It's all, it's only thousands of people. Yeah. Um, like, do you feel like that is an audience that they necessarily respect? Like there's, there's a sort of respect built in because it is sort of like uh what, I guess what Pierre Bourdieu would call like a restricted field. It's something that, they aren't expecting to become, like, a massively popular thing. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it depends on the mod, certainly, and, and what issue the mod is hoping to address. And sometimes it's, I want a waifu with H-cups who does whatever I say and doesn't speak. And that, honestly, is 99% of mods, which is I mean, you could say bummer. they respect their audience in a certain way. Um, yeah, that's true. Not in a way that's good, but, <laughs> right? You know what? I'm just glad that people are having a good time. It's not how I want to play games, and it bumps me out to a certain extent because it's like... Hey, I'm going to play Skyrim. Oh, I should download some mods. Oh, men are terrible. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I forgot for 30 seconds that men are just the worst. You just got to, you know what, like, uh, so you just peruse the waifu uh, mods in case you ever need an, a, a reminder. Um, yeah, you know, to, to, their, to their credit, Nexus Mods does allow you to filter you can turn off sexually explicit mods. You can turn off anything that's labeled anime, uh, which is sort of a fuzzy area. Mm -hmm. So that does help a little bit. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, it's okay for a mod to have nudity in it, but you don't, but you are not looking to install, like, sex positions of the Dovahkiin either, you know? So it's, there, there's certainly a balance, and I, that's just up to the user, right? But, I mean, when I'm playing something like Skyrim or Red Dead Redemption 2, I'm thinking to myself, why isn't this, why can't I leave custom markers on my map? Why can't I take these 300 forks that I have stolen from taverns around Skyrim and melt them down into the smelter and turn them into armor? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why can't I store the actual carrying capacity of a Shire horse on my Shire horse, which is like, I think I actually looked it up so that I could set one of my horse mods to be realistic. And it's like, <laughs> I think 800 pounds a Shire horse can carry comfortably. And that's we're so much about. more than your horse can carry. In Skyrim. Right. Yeah. Whereas I personally, you know, like the, the default carrying capacity of, of me, the, the Viking person is, I think 300 pounds or something like that. Jeez. And, so much more you know, than I, they could carry. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, and I, I always think about that time in middle school where I wanted to know how much my backpack weighed, so I weighed it. And that's like, you know, I was carrying 60 pounds to and from school, and it was really fucking heavy. So now I kind of understand how much stuff weighs. And, yeah, so I, I really like installing the mods that make me die if I get wet in Arctic conditions. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. To me, I, I get, you know, I said I wanted Sim Cowboy. I also want Sim Viking, you know? Yeah, and, I want and the there to Sim be, is important there. Yeah, I, I want there to be consequences if I'm above the frost line and I am, it's midnight and I don't have any shelter, you know? Because that's mm -hmm. interesting to me. It, yeah. it bugs me when I'm, like, splashing around in the default in the vanilla game. And I have I'm totally unaffected by cold or hunger or anything like that. So those are the most interesting mods to me, the ones that, like, really push the realism. Yeah, um, I can understand that. I mean, there's a there's a quality to, you know, what you're describing, uh, which, you know, it seems like mods are mods are maybe the place to kind of pursue the limits of video games. And I mean, people have thought about this before. Like there's, there was early, um, now I'm saying this more for the audience's sake. Um, but I'm not trying to tell you what you may already know, but like there was early, um, you know, uh, video game art that was essentially just like mods of, um, 
you know, Quake or mods of Doom or whatever, like, you know, uh, right. uh, a mod that was effectively uh, Ruby Ridge or um, uh, um, David Koresh. Uh, why am I forgetting David Koresh's whole thing? Waco? Um, Waco, yeah. Like, there was a, a, a Waco mod of, like, a, just like a shooter. I think it, I think it was... I think it, it wasn't Doom. It might have been like, might have been Half Life. But in, in any case, like these are early art projects. Basically, looking at a game and being like, "Huh, what if I did this? Like, what if I changed right. it so that it spoke to this particular thing?" You know, I, what you're saying about mods is, is like it. It's very possible that that mods are still that right. Like where mods still effectively are this place where you can say like, "Yeah, okay, like I see something here that could be." commercially interesting to people like yeah okay like a really really realistic skyrim could be commercially interesting to people but probably not enough people that bethesda would ever make it right like, so uh, someone else makes it and it doesn't have to be commercially interesting it can just be interesting and go back to that james cameron thing of like i did the, or uh, well go back to the james cameron thing of like i'm not going to waste anything i'm just going to do what i want and also to the ridley scott thing of like why don't we do this because it might be cool mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I've never really thought about mods like that. I've always thought of them as uh, quality of life things, but I suppose that's not entirely the case. It, I think it is a quality of life issue f just for me, you know, and that's an individual problem of mine because I'm so, I'm like hyper vigilant about this stuff and obsessive and it just bugs the shit out of me if I'm looking around my Skyrim landscape and I'm like, where are the bugs? There are no <laughs> bugs. So I can go on Nexus mods and be like, Skyrim HD bugs and somebody has made, you know, a bunch of people have made beautiful mods which put bugs in the game or, you know, another thing that really bugs me uh, is when animals don't behave realistically. Like, for example, every single wolf that you see attacks you immediately or deer just stand there while you walk up to them and shoot them. So another <laughs> mod I have just makes animals realistic. Okay. You know, yeah. wolves won't attack you unless there are like four wolves and you're alone. Or, you know, deer run away from you if you get close to them like they do in real life. It makes stuff much easier in one respect and much more difficult in another respect. But it, I don't have to learn a whole new set of rules for the game because the game is now more like real life. And that makes sense. And I'm not, I feel like I'm wasting my brain learning different rules for Skyrim. It's, it's such a weird thing to say, but um, it's like, why do I have to learn different rules for deer in Skyrim than I have for deer in real life, you know? Like, and yeah. It, the, the lack of uh, verisimilitude really just bugs the shit out of me and takes me, takes me out of the game. Um, well, it's also kind of like an interesting... It's an interesting potential for video games, if you think about it that way, where, like, you could have Skyrim verisimilitude or you can have Skyrim, uh, um, like, fantasticism or... Yeah, yeah. That's sort of what I want to say. Um, and, like, both of those things could be in the same game in, in a way that, like, you would never get in, say, like, art, right? Like, like art is realistic or naturalist or, like, whatever. It it very rarely is both, unless it's sort of, like, a, t a, a strange text or a strange image that's trying to do both. Whereas in video games, you could very mm. easily have both. And, like, th this, like this adaptability, right? This is something that, mm -hmm. you know, we hear a lot about immersion and we hear a lot about, about, um, you know, the, the way the video games communicate with their, uh, with their audiences. But I, I feel like we don't actually hear a lot about 
how video games can be adaptable or moldable or like changeable, yes. right? And like that is that's something that is extraordinarily unique for the genre. I mean, it, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of art out there that you can like change yourself just by looking up ways to change it. Mhm. Yeah. I I think this probably for me goes back to playing video games with my father who is a he's a Vietnam War veteran and has associated PTSD. Mm-hmm. And he was a big gamer cuz he's also a science fiction novelist. So he was, you know, really ahead of his time in terms of video games and stuff. Now, of course, he's really into Arma 3. <laughs> <laughs> nice. As, Excellent. Yes, as as he would be. I mean, he's... I took him onto my TF2 server one time, and he played Soldier, and he was really, like, ranking highly against experienced goon players. I was very impressed at his skills. But, but anyway, so, you know, when I was, <laughs> I don't know, 12 or 13 or however old I was when Doom came out, he bought Doom. Sure. And it was a big deal, you know, no one had ever seen a game like this before. Not well, except for Wolfenstein, but you know, still Doom was sort of like this, this new thing. And we had played Wolfenstein together as well. Um, which was funny because Wolfenstein has a difficulty level called, can I play daddy? Which was literally what I was doing. (laughs) I was, I was next to him, next to his computer, you know, either he would let me play or, you know, I would watch him play. And this was one of the ways that we spent time together. Um, so he got Doom and once we had played it and we loved it you know it was this great just flamboyant weird you know heavy metal uh aesthetic to it and all the sounds and stuff everybody loved it wonderful game but then you know he was like well let's see what's in the game files and we just broke open the game files and started digging around and we found all of the waves that uh were assigned to the different monster noises and we started like swapping those out And one of the things that he did that stuck with me is he took the the skyline of Mars that you see when you go outside of any of the dungeon areas and look at the horizon. And it's just a flat sky texture. Mm -hmm. He took that and painted over it with the skyline of Vietnam. So the jungle with the with the blue sky behind it and these beautiful, um, you know, blues and greens and, and, and dark blacks of the of the shadows. And he put it back into the game. And it was such a, an object example of how he was using video games as play therapy for mm. his um, combat trauma. Yeah. And I think that it has really helped him therapeutically because mm. uh, it certainly it desensitizes, you know, you know, and that's part of what you need when you have combat fatigue is just to be able to control the sound of the gunshots or to control the jump scares or to experience the adrenaline in a safe environment yeah. so that your brain, your brain can get used to it, you know, and, and, and get kind of, kind of stand down. Um, Makes sense. I've never so really he really thought taught that. me. Yeah. He taught me early on, you know, the video game belongs to you. You bought it. You can do whatever you want with the files. Uh, and, and also that, everything was was so changeable all you have to do is know how to get in um and that's kind of been the approach that i've taken to games uh ever since i haven't done any modding of skyrim myself i'm i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> hey look i i completely get that i you know um yeah I, I i find that you know that 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 element of ownership is fascinating like that that the concept that what you are what you are doing when you're playing a video game is is like 
is playing with something that you can feel as your own. Like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like this this like strange uh, object that someone else made and you just have to live with it. it. It is you. Like it's it's part of like your experience. You can feel open to enjoying it how you enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. I never like I, I I say this and I, I really mean it. Like I've never really thought about it that way. I've never thought about because again like the 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 concept of thinking about art right. Like you would never really think about art and ownership. Uh, particularly in terms of like classical art, like you could go see a painting by Manet, right? Like I've seen paintings by Manet before um, in person, like in Chicago when I was there, there's a bunch in the Chicago Art Institute, whatever. Like you can go see um, impressionist art. You would never then ask, you'd never then say like, huh, do I own this art? Like, right. You you don't. (laughs) It's it's kind of clear. It's not yours. Um, You know, you can have your own relationship to it for sure, but it's not your art. Um, so, like, the idea of um, owning art, right? Like, the idea of it being something that is yours is mm-hmm. fascinating uh, and, like, so different than, than any, other, uh, any other method of, like, actually understanding uh, non-video game-related art. I love that. Like, mm-hmm. that's something I've never really thought of because I've only ever thought in terms of classical art. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I and like, it seems to me, uh, and like, I'll I'll stop talking now. But it seems to me that you know, your displeasure with um, with Red Dead also kind of comes to the fact that uh, Rockstar is very much making that game like this is the Rockstar experience. Like you're supposed to watch this like a movie, and it's not the critique of like too many cutscenes like in Metal Gear Solid Four. It's the critique of no, a movie is like ultimately not yours. Um, whereas mm-hmm. Red Dead 1 is. Like, Red Dead 1 allows it to be yours. Red Dead 2 mm-hmm. doesn't. Um, yeah. I never really... Yeah, that's that's a really, really... That's very, very clever. I, I've never really considered games that way. The other big thing I like to address with mods, and I think that this issue is slightly gendered, um, mm. uh, is that in the majority of AAA video games, and Skyrim is no no different... You are a complete individualist within the game. Everything that you own, you carry. If you have some sort of a a home within the world, it's not a place that you can customize or or really turn into your own place or even invest in. It just is another possession. It just kind of sits there. And so there's this, this capitalist approach to personhood where you are... A, a, a an amalgam of things traveling around this world, but being absolutely connected to nobody and to nothing. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the things that breaks the economy so quickly in Bethesda games, where money quickly becomes completely useless because all of the best weapons are ones that you pull out of dungeons during combat. Right. There's no reason for you to buy or craft anything because none of the stuff that you're going to make is better than the stuff that you just find lying around, etc. Right. Yeah. So breaking the economy kind of breaks the rest of the game in that I am no longer interested in doing quests and stuff because the reward is gold. I don't care. I don't want any more gold. I got so much gold, I don't know what to do with it all, you know? Right. So, yeah, of course. <laughs> one of my favorite mods, and this this mod exists for both Fallout, New Vegas, 
and Skyrim because those those mods are cross compatible. So often when a big mod comes out, um, people will convert it one way or the other. So in in New Vegas, it's called uh, Wasteland Defense, and in Skyrim, it's called Tundra Defense. And this mod is very old. It came out, I think, in like 2014, um, before the Skyrim DLC that allowed you to do some homesteading came out. But it is basically a settlement creator. So you go forth into the world, you pick literally any spot on the map map that you want. You plunk down your water well, and then you walk in the four directions out as far as you can go from your center uh, well, and then put down these posts, which delineate the borders of your homestead. And then within those barriers, you can build literally anything you want. You can build, um, you know, uh, like a a tavern, you can build uh, barracks to have uh, guards walking around and patrolling, um, the mod has a thing in it where it can send waves of bandits attacking your fort if you want. You can even uh, transmute yourself into one of the bandits and attack your own fort. <laughs> I haven't done that, but it's, it's cool, cool that it's included. Yeah. Um, and so it immediately fixes the economy issue because suddenly I'm invested. I'm invested in, in the land that I own. I'm invested in the development properties. And then, of course, there are villagers and civilians and guards that work in your town that are your people. They're people that you ostensibly are supposed to protect and take care of. And, you know, aesthetically, it's interesting because the mod allows you to rotate the uh, the building properties on a Z-axis, but you can also tilt them on a Y-axis if you want. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can stack them on top of each other. You can build, like... Uh, stairways to get to doors. You can put doors in places where there aren't supposed to be doors. I built my most recent um, settlement at the guard tower that's a little bit west of Whiterun okay. because I just wanted to have a tower. Uh, and, and the game let me do that. So suddenly I need money. I need thousands of gold pieces because I want to keep upgrading my fort. Of course, Because right. I care about these people, yeah. And so the base game doesn't have that, you know? It's, it's just, you're just this... You're the lone, the lone ranger. You know, you're the the loose cannon. The you're Batman. You know, yeah, you're a Randy and anything. Yeah, exactly. That's so fucking boring. You know, yeah. it's it's not. I, if I have no investment in other people or no investment in even in my own uh, development or my own holdings, why would I be interested in playing? Well, and it's why the main the plot is. of Skyrim falls so flat, right? Like the mm-hmm. the Civil War thing is is so dull because like i don't know like i what am i supposed to pick between i'm supposed to pick between like the fascists and the 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 elitists like i i don't care about either of them i like why do i don't I, know these people yeah. yeah why should i care i've never i've i've played a ton of skyrim i have never uh <laughs> beaten the civil war thing i i just don't do it i don't really care yeah me too don't care yeah it's, why would you they make absolutely no effort to make it interesting. The writing is terrible. Oh god, the writing and and the line delivery. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, famously bad. The the thing but... that's interesting about Skyrim is like the the world, like enjoying the world. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. I I want to just be out in the woods on my horse. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Exactly. I I want to have that experience. The other there. So those are the two 
There, there's like three kinds of mods I love, and one is the survival stuff, two is the homesteading stuff, and the third type is um, there is this modding group who has made an absolutely phenomenal mod called Interesting NPCs. <laughs> and they've made it for Skyrim and they've made it for Fallout. A different NPCs, I assume. I haven't installed it on Fallout. But the Skyrim NPCs are so fucking good, the ones that they added. And they they went into the game files and found unused um, material and, and brought it out and made NPCs and stuff out of it. They hired a bunch of voice actors who are all amateurs, you know, cool. wrote thousands and thousands of lines of new dialogue, put new followers in who have different their own individual quests, programmed the whole thing. I don't know how they did it. But you can always tell when you're talking to a modded NPC as opposed to a base game NPC because they're just so much better. They're yeah, you actually, like them more, right? <laughs> yeah. They're actually funny. I just got arrested in Whiterun and put into jail, and I there is a trapdoor in my cell that I hadn't noticed before, so I went down it. And I started wandering around in the dungeon underneath the prison and ran into this ghost at the far corner of the of the dungeon tunnels and was just like, oh, hey, who are you? I've never seen you before. And she immediately started giving me shit. And <laughs> she was just goofing on how I looked. And I think I, I asked her about her life story and how she became a ghost and, um, you know... I actually went through every single line of this NPC's dialogue, which is something I usually never do in a vanilla game, particularly not Bethesda, because I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> None sure. of it's interesting. But I just sat there and clicked through everything this NPC had to say. And, you know, if I if I brought up, oh, did you have a boyfriend when you were alive? And she's like, oh, are you jealous? You know, you're a little skinny. Why don't we... F I think I saw a skeever around here somewhere. Do you want him to be your boyfriend? You know, and it was... It's just like totally unexpected coming from Skyrim that this woman was just dunking me into the trash and it was delightful. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's so fucked that with all of the millions and billions of dollars that go into AAA games that they release something like Skyrim, which is just dog shit compared to the stuff the fans come up with for the same game, the same framework. Yeah. And I know that a 1-1 comparison isn't fair, and that, you know, it's different, it's completely different development styles and all that kind of thing. But I, I also feel that someone needs to answer for the mediocrity of art that is produced by the games industry. And I feel that that is not addressed enough, particularly in AAA titles. You know, why don't we have Roger Ebert here going, why does this stink? There's so much money in it. Like, yeah. you got all these voice actors. You got all these Hollywood actors. You couldn't direct them properly. You couldn't get a decent line read out of Patrick Stewart. Like, well, yeah. and it's like, it's <laughs> like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're asking, you're asking people to believe the idea that you are incapable of producing something good just because it's a video game, as opposed to like, uh, you know, understanding that like this is a huge opportunity. Like, of course, you're going to be able to do something good because you have all this money in there. Like, let's make mm -hmm. the best thing we can. Like, I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not one to like complain to people. Like, oh, people should be like having more pride in their work or whatever. Like, I don't really care. But like the the idea. I of, care. Well, I, I care to a point. I don't. I don't care for I'll a lot. I'll complain. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I do think. I do think. Bethesda should and like AAA studios in general should think past like the genre constraints they put on themselves. Yes. Um, 
and uh, and I mean they very much do put them on themselves. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like video games are constitutively impossible to direct. It's not like they're no. constitutively impossible to write. Um, we have lots so much of better. really good video games. Yeah. We we have some good AAA video games. You They're know, out again, there. Valve is a good example, but you know, Double Fine. Yeah. Double Fine's even their failures. Brutal Legend is. I mean, it should have just been an animated movie. I don't know why they tried to make it a game, but it's so fucking good, and it has everything in it that all these other games are trying to do and failing at. It has right. a cohesive narrative. It's very fucking funny. The art is unbelievably good. And they have all these celebrity voice actors doing an incredible job. And not even not even like actor actors, but Brutal Legend, the entire cast, except for Jack Black, is old hair metal people. That's like fantastic. um God. Uh Ozzy is in it. Um Lemmy is in it. Uh Lita Ford is in it. Oh, uh, Rob nice. Halford is the bad guy I think he <laughs> plays the villain and all of these people are just incredible if you go on YouTube and watch like Lemmy's line reads or Ozzy's line reads for Brutal Legend it's it's way better than your average Bethesda NPC even those though those are professional voice actors and professional actors and it's all down to directing it's down to craftsmanship and caring about what the result is instead of just being like oh we have Ozzy in our game Better buy the game, you know, because right. that's just carnival barking. It's not it's not art. So, I mean, Brutal Legend is not a successful game. I 100%ed it because I was just so obsessed with the art style. But it turns into an, an RTS at the end, and it's like half driving game and half brawler. Weird. It's like three different game concepts, and instead of getting rid of any of them, they just mashed them all together. And uh, it's beautiful, but it's it's a mess. Um it sounds fantastic. So, I mean, I've always thought about playing it. And now you're kind of convincing me to try it. Um, I recommend it. It's it's worth it's worth grinding through the frustrating parts to just get more of the content because the content's so good. There's a I mean, there's a version of this episode that is just the defense of bad games in so far oh, as yeah. they actually go for something. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Um. Well, I I've kept you so long at this point. Um. Tell me one thing before you go. What is uh, what is the game you think people should be playing right now? If there's anything that people should be enjoying, uh, modded or otherwise, what is what is that thing? Is there something that you would suggest people just like get into? I, I, you can say Brutal Legend if that ends up being the thing. I realized I just asked you after you suggested one, but uh, is there anything that like you feel people are not giving enough of a do? You know, I don't keep up with new games really like at all because okay. I've been burned so many times. Um, <laughs> it can be an like old if game. I get, That's fine. If I get into a game at all before it comes out and then I, I'm like almost always disappointed. So sure. um, I, it's something I've been talking to friends about a lot is there's no more couch co-op. Mm-hmm. And I want more cooperative game experiences. Because it's so much fun, and you get these wonderful emergent experiences where you're just hanging out with your buddies, right? And it doesn't have to be on a couch. You could be playing um, on Discord voice chat or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, where, you know, the, the story that comes out of the game that you had is, it, it's, it's more than the game. It's greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and it, yeah. it becomes a gestalt experience. 
And I feel that we are really lacking that because the vast majority of online games, even though they are multiplayer, are head-to-head or PvP, um, and they don't provide any sort of storytelling except I killed this guy and then he killed me. Which I, I also like. I mean, that's fun. That's a great way to play games, too. But I really miss Left 4 Dead. I miss Nazi zombies. I miss... Um, shit, I even miss, you know, World of Warcraft, where I just knew everybody in my guild and we right. all played together. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like grinding. It was just like a chat room with a really pretty UI on top of it, basically. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a way that, like, the the rise of everyone's sort of like, oh, where did Among Us come from? Like, why are people so into this game? And I think part of the reason might just be that, what like what you just said, which is people just want to have a game that they can tell stories about afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You want to, like, people playing, um, is it called Jackbox? Yeah, 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 the, Jackbox. The party. Yeah, that, that, that stuff is great. Um, but I would love more of that that's, like, an actual, like, Left 4 Dead. It's a... Mm-hmm. you know, triple A game experience, except you're playing with your buddies. Um, so I, I like the party game format too, and that's fun, but it's just not usually my, my preferred thing. I will say this about Among Us. I think that the people who have been playing Among Us and really like it, but would like more, <clears throat> excuse me, but would like even more of that kind of uh, space intrigue, should look into Space Station 13. Okay. Um. <laughs> And I hesitate to recommend Space Station 13 because, honestly, it is its own... We, you could do an entire episode about Space Station 13. Um, <laughs> and I think I'm actually maybe going to bring some of my friends who play Among Us to Space Station 13. Um, it has a horrible UI. It's kind of the thing you were talking about, how it's it's really a terrible game, but it's so fun to play. Uh, it, it, but the UI is so bad that if you are a new character and you've never played it before, the likelihood that you will beat yourself to death with your shoes while trying to put them on is very high. Because it's similar to Arma, where you need to like select your left hand and then select the item and then drag it into this and then do this and this. And it just does, it's horrible. But on the other hand, all of this is in service of the funniest chaos space intrigue that you have ever seen. And it's one of these games that just, it's like Dwarf Fortress telling stories about it and narrating what you're doing in oh, it yeah. is way, it's, that's the point. Like, it's better than playing. It's better than, you know, experiencing it yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, I could but, listen to someone talk about Dwarf Fortress all day. Like, hearing, oh, hearing God, people yeah. explain what happened in, in their game. I mean, it's, it's, it's gripping. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that about Dwarf Fortress. Um, so, Space Station 13, yeah, I, I need to... I need to get back into it, but I, I, I need to check with my preferred server, which, of course, is the Something Awful server. Um, mm-hmm. Of course. Th- of course, yeah. The Something Awful server really treads a nice line between total chaos trolling servers, which do exist, and I guess they're fun for some people, but if there's no structure in the game, it's kind of like, what's the point? Yeah. And sure. then on the, the way, the other side of Space Station 13, you get servers... Um, like Paradise is the name of, of the other big server, uh, which is very focused on role play, um, and very 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 serious about role play. So they will you know they'll get your ass if you do any kind of meta gaming or yeah. you you play goofy instead of serious. And they've got like customs alien races, and one of them is like a cat girl race. Um, and natural. I mean, what, what, oh yeah. If there's no cat girl I, race, then uh, what's you know, the point? Like why them, yes. even? 
Yeah, why even? Yeah, exactly. If cat girls do not exist, it becomes necessary to invent them. <laughs> what um, one must imagine cat girls happy. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think I think Paradise also has like vor mechanic. I I might be speaking out of turn there because I actually don't have that much experience. And um, but the Goon server is a really good middle ground and a good starter server. Uh, so I think you know maybe on Twitter I'll I'll try to get back into it and. See if I can get some people interested. The I, thing yeah. is, is that it's hard to stream Space Station 13 because the mods get real touchy about metagaming. Uh, so okay. if someone's in your Twitch room and they're metagaming, it doesn't really matter that much. But they also, of course, they're invested in protecting the immersion. So I, I understand. So I need to check with the Goon Station admins to see what their rules are about streaming on Twitch. But I, I'd really love to. You don't want to cross to the Goon Station admins. I would assume. No, As, I actually know one of them. I should just I should just see if I have like a a personal in there. I think you probably would. I mean, it, it's a game I, yeah. that I mean, it, it only helps if if it's if it's popular, right? Like it's it's yeah. good if if a game like that gets some some popularity because then more people are playing it, more people are enjoying it. Yep. Um, well, that sounds fantastic. I'm gonna have to check that out, um, and everyone else should as well. Uh, let's let's make this the next Among Us. Uh, I'm just, I actually, I'm, I'm just kidding. Don't make it the next Among Us. Just make it a fun game that doesn't it's, have to be like I, a, a social like uh, phenomenon. It's fine. Here's something you can do in Space Station 13. One of the roles on board the station is the janitor and he has a mop bucket. So one of the things that people like to do is they get the space lube from the engineering section and dump it into his mop bucket. <laughs> so... <laughs> If you're the janitor, you can cause chaos all on your own, but it's also fun to, as a prank to play on the janitor so that when he's trying to clean up blood out of the, the hallway that leads to the airlock and he's accidentally smearing space lube all over the floor without knowing about it, well, <laughs> you can slip and slide your way right out into space. That is very funny. That, and that's, like, of course, is, is before it, the it, entire station is uh, eaten by a black hole, which happens most rounds, but is that like yeah. is, is the is the goal of Space Station Thirteen to survive, or is it to kill off people, or just what what you make of it? Every time you show up, when you when the sir when the um, it happens in rounds, okay, and so how long a round lasts is controlled by the admins who are real people. So it's every every part of the game is being run by an actual person, okay, including the space station's artificial intelligence, which is a role, Funny. it's a job on, this, on the ship, but it has to be played by a real person. So every time somebody signs up to be the AI, uh, the, the better AIs will have a gimmick. So I've been on stations where the AI was Windows 3.1. Okay. I've been on the station where it was HAL, you know. Um, that's getting off topic a little bit. So the, the round begins when the admins say it do. Everyone leaves the lobby and they go onto the station and you are assigned a job depending on a lot of factors, including whether you asked for it or not. Sure. So uh, sometimes, you know, there can only be one janitor. So sometimes you'll just have to be given a second choice or you get or you show up as an assistant who is somebody who doesn't have an assigned job. And then at the beginning of each round, you are randomly assigned um, various goals to achieve during the round. And if you are uh, the janitor, for example, the, the, the goal could be keep the 
bar clean for the entirety of the round, which is actually difficult because people are always in there getting into fights and vomiting. Um, <laughs> and then your second goal will be steal the captain's hat. Okay. Uh, and end, end the round with the hat in your inventory. And then the fourth, or the, the third thing will be like, um, make sure that you have 5,000 credits in your bank account at the end of the round. Okay. So you sort of have a direction. Uh, it's not just, you are the janitor, go. It's also, you have these goals. So now, it's do kind the of other honor players system. know the goals, or is it secret? It is secret. Okay. I. It's possible that the captain or maybe the AI can see goals, but I don't think they can. So there will be uh, there will be secret agents on the ship or alien invaders or sometimes there's like space wizards or <laughs> all sorts of different shit. So it's sort of like among Sounds us good. there there will be uh, there will be people on board the ship who are adversaries who have goals such as murder the captain and wear his skin onto the escape shuttle. <laughs> so the the Yikes. so everybody is sort of at um, at loggerheads. Everybody has their individual. Uh, things to accomplish during the round. So okay. we all get off the arrival shuttle and we go do our jobs for the entirety of the round. But the, the jobs are hard. You know, keeping the bar clean is hard. If you're in engineering, you're supposed to get the um, the furnace, not furnace, but, you know, the the warp core of the station running. And so you have to, like, handle all this antimatter and then you have to ignite the, the fusion reactors without blowing up the station, which is almost impossible. And it's... It's like the Among Us thing about moving the wires back and forth to different areas, except yeah. 5,000 times as difficult. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, you know, secret agents are running around stealing corporate secrets or killing people or there's changelings in the vents and that kind of shit. So eventually, of course, the entire station falls apart into chaos. Naturally. Holes will get punched in the hole, in the, the, the hull. Um bioengineering will create space weed and everybody gets insanely high when it gets into the vents. Uh, somebody will get into the artificial intelligence room and switch out their, um, their Asimovian laws for something like uh, rule number, uh, law number one, big beats are the best. Rule number two, get high all the time. Uh, rule number three, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to speak in a Scottish accent from now on. And suddenly the computer is acting insane and nobody knows why. So Got once it. everything okay. starts to go to hell, this is the third act of every round of Space Station 13. In the third act, everything goes to hell. The captain has to make the choice whether to call the escape shuttle. And the escape shuttle is basically like, we give up, abandon ship. So the escape shuttle takes the announcement that the, spa that the escape shuttle has been called for goes out to everybody. So then everybody's like, oh shit. It's the end of the round. We have to scramble to get all of our stuff done. This escape shuttle takes like five minutes to arrive. It docks. And then there's a mad dash for everybody to get onto the shuttle. Usually when there's, you know, no oxygen and people have, of course, lubed up the hallways. Of course, Things yeah. are on fire. <laughs> there's a plague of locusts, et cetera, et cetera. Naturally. So you run onto the shuttle. There's always last minute murders because people are trying to finish their uh, their goals for the round. And whoever makes it back to headquarters alive on the shuttle wins, basically. <laughs> <laughs> OK, that sounds fantastic. It sounds and extraordinarily gets, confusing. But good. It's utter chaos. It's just it is borderline impossible to play. But the people who actually get good at it, like Arma, uh, become unstoppable forces of nature. And of course, if you die, you can observe, which is fun on its own. Oh, naturally, yeah. Yeah, and if between each round, 
everybody gets kicked back out into main chat so you can have a, a post-mortem and discuss what happened and all that kind of thing. What went wrong, um, what went right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's nuts. Uh, I, I don't want anybody to like boot up Space Station 13 going, oh boy, and rubbing their hands because it really is impossible. It's so hard. So if, if you do get into it, please, you know, play 10 rounds um, it, and don't expect to do anything except get murdered randomly or accidentally hit yourself in the head with a fire extinguisher. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to get some of my friends into it, but it, it is... Solid recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> there's, well, a, there's Someone made a, a good trailer for it, um, just like splicing together pieces of Event Horizon and Sunshine <laughs> and 2001 and made a voiceover of like, get your ass to Space Station 13. It's... I posted it on Twitter recently, and I, I think it's actually a great call to arms. <laughs> for space. <laughs> all right. Well, I buy it. Um, yeah. All right. That's, that's what I want more of. I want a, I want those kind of games. I get it. That's like a yeah. it's like a, a fun game. It's a game that mm-hmm. is doesn't take itself so seriously and doesn't take itself unseriously. Kind of hit splits the difference. I mean, it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. But there's there's a little bit of a little bit of a of a framework, computer framework there. That's that's my ideal. Yeah. My that ideal makes sense. experience. And yeah, I mean give Brutal Legend a try. It's like five bucks now probably. I I can't imagine it's, it's much it's, more. It's worth it for the art. Yeah, uh, the art's fantastic. I've always enjoyed looking at it. Um and I mean it sounds like it's worth it for the uh for the um voice acting. It's so good. <laughs> it really is. And this I mean the soundtrack's just amazing because they they got all these licensed pieces, of course, so... Yeah. It, it, I think it, it really helped me kind of get into metal, whereas before I, I had kind of hit a wall with metal. and But uh, hearing all the classic stuff curated for me really helped. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, well, that'll, that'll are... do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Alessa, thank you so much for being on. Uh, uh, where can people follow you? Where can people find your work? All of your all of your various uh, monetized things, as we discussed earlier. Where 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 is it? I think I'm most active on Twitter right now, um, okay. where my my username is Eliza with a three, and uh, I usually you know post pretty much everything I'm doing on there, Eliza with a three uh, dot com that no one had registered that, so I grabbed it recently, and that's a good just like really simple links to stuff. Cool, um, nice. Um, so those are the the two main things. You know, if I if I do Twitch streams or something, I always post there. Okay, and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm three nice. Liza on on Twitch as well, but spelled out because someone had already snagged the, the number Terrible. three. Yeah, just just rude, really. I'd like to buy them out, but there's no way to DM people on Twitch anymore. <laughs> no, not really, and probably they did it and then forgot they had it, and you know, it may just be a dead. They're like a medium sized streamer. I, they're oh, like, they? I think okay. they. Yeah, there's like two, three thousand followers. So okay. you know, wow, not, all right. not not tiny and not huge either. So, so probably could buy they're probably out. invested in their name a little bit, but a little, but I would I would like to make them an offer that they can't refuse. Just spam their chat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that, but I thought it would be kind of like day class A, like <laughs> bust in, bust in through the saloon doors and be like, "Hey, how much for your name?" <laughs> I'm sure that would <laughs> when go you're off trying real to well. stream something. Yeah, yeah right. uh, oh. I just. I just like to be polite about it, but I, I don't have a way to do that. Oh, if you can't DM, then uh, it's tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Well, 
thanks so much for being on. Come on again uh, next time something cool happens. Yeah, sure. Like anytime. All right, um, cool. I can talk about all this shit forever, as as you have experienced. Hey, today. it's my, my <laughs> pleasure, honestly. Um, and uh, yeah, talk again soon. Thanks very much. Of course. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.